0: Hey, sports fans, you're tuned into the Emerald City Fandom Podcast.
1: We're Seattle fans talking Seattle sports.
0: We're your hosts. I'm Connor Fredrickson.
1: And I'm Sam Hoganson.
0: You ready to get started?
1: Let's send
0: it! Welcome back to the pod, folks. This is episode four. And Sam, we are finally here. It has been a long and arduous 2020.
1: It's game week! Husky
0: Husky game week is finally here. And I know that a lot of you probably are distracted by the election and all that stuff. By the way, go out and vote, please. Uh, We are going to be releasing this on election day so if you haven't voted this is your last chance please vote that's all i have to say about that
1: it's your right
0: just we're done yep exercise your right to vote folks it matters anyway back to the pod welcome back again and uh yeah we're going to be talking some more husky football today uh before we get started though uh please subscribe and follow us uh on whatever platform that you listen to your podcasts on. Uh, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, please subscribe and follow us. We've gotten great feedback over these first few episodes and this new venture that Sam and I are, are, are doing here with, with this whole podcasting thing. We're having a lot of fun with it. So uh, appreciate all of, the, all of the support and feedback that we've gotten, please continue to do so. We want to fine-tune this thing and make it big. So, Sam, what are you sipping on, sir?
1: Jack Daniels. We're back to the bread and butter. It's game week. Go back to what works. <laughs> run the football. Play good defense. Drink Sip Jack
0: Daniels. It. That's
1: right. Have a good time.
0: Love it. Love it. Got to go back to the staples.
1: What are you sipping on?
0: Um, I am actually back to what I was sipping on in the first episode. I am sipping on some Ula whiskey currently. Supporting local. Uh, if you guys have not listened to the first episode, please go back and listen to it. But if you don't have the time to do that, then please check out Ula Whiskey. Uh, they are a local distillery in the area. They make great whiskey and great other liquors. So please check them out. And uh, I also have a rolling ra- rock to, you know, kind of finish things off just because well, it's the finest go, of beers
1: and we did go for two hours last time so That's true i got to come prepared and i'm planning on finishing
0: this bottle of whiskey tonight so we'll we'll be good and good and drunk by the
1: end i'm sure yeah stick around things might get a little crazy at the end
0: <laughs> cool uh, yeah so again if you guys don't know the Huskies play this Saturday, November 7th, at 7.30 on ESPN, so be sure to mark that in your calendars. Uh, Sam and I are going to record another episode on, we'll record it Thursday night, but it will be released Friday evening, kind of a night before Outlook on the game, more of a game preview. And then Saturday, we are planning on recording again after after the game, kind of a raw irrational thoughts t- style episode right after the game hopefully it's it's good things that we have to say
1: and believe me on that note i've gotten some feedback on the podcast from those that know me pretty well i'm generally a very enthusiastic excitable person. no no and in the post game podcasts i'm sure that side of me will come out in spades that's where sam's gonna shine
0: so you're going to time. you're
1: gonna want to tune into that, guaranteed. That's it. right.
0: But today we have a prediction style episode. So we are going to go basically statistical line by statistical line, as well as kind of like standout players that we think are going to contribute to the Huskies this year and make predictions for this season, this shortened COVID season of Husky football. Before we do that, the depth chart was released today for the Cal game. And I know, sh- I know Sam has some strong feelings about a few of the players that were listed or rather not listed on the depth chart. Yep. Um, I guess if we start on offensive line, no real surprises there. We kind of, uh, you could say predicted that, but it was pretty widely thought that these would be the starters. You got Jackson Kirkland at left tackle Uh. Lumu Ale at left guard, Luke Wattenberg at center, Henry Bynavalu at right guard and Victor Kern at right tackle. Those will be your starters on the offensive line. And might I, I, might I yeah, pause us
1: there for a moment and just mm-hmm. toot our own horn? That Connor and I not only predicted the starting line perfectly, also the backups perfectly. We, we went 10 for 10. I'm pretty proud so, of that.
0: Yeah. If we haven't, you know, solidified ourselves as true Husky podcasters. There's your evidence right there, folks. Bam. We we predicted the 2020 offensive line perfectly.
1: Was, uh, moving it, on, it to was pretty pre- easy. It was pretty easy to be fair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm still patting myself on the back. I feel pretty good about it. Uh, tight end again, no. No real surprises there. K Dotton is listed as the starter with both Jack Westover and Mark Redman. True freshman Mark Redman was is is getting the nod as the third tight end there. Um, I know Sam that you you and I were talking a little bit before before we started recording here, and you had some thoughts on Mark Redman as possibly a backup tight end.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to be. Uh... A big time player for us for at least three years. He'll be wearing number 81 this year. Mm. Redshirt freshman, but he sure doesn't look the part. He's 6'6, 245. Um cool story, actually. I don't know that we even mentioned this in our offensive preview, but Mark Redman is actually the high school teammate of our true freshman quarterback Ethan Garbers, and yep. they lit the state of California on fire last year. Yep. In a smaller
0: smaller division, correct? Like it was like a
1: it wasn't the top it wasn't Trinity League, but it was I think it was
0: like two two A or something like that equivalent.
1: Yeah, maybe. I think
0: it was I think it was a smaller school, but yes, I mean nonetheless they lit it up.
1: They ran the table, they won their state championship, and he had a pretty prolific senior season in high school. For sure. Really polished pass catcher, route runner. He's got the size and body to block. So I'm pretty pleased to actually see him crack the depth chart. And I do think with the way that we'll be using tight ends, you'll see number 81 Mark Redman on the field quite a bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Moving on to quarterback, no surprises here. Jimmy Lake tight to the vest, just like Chris Peterson was. The four-way competition is still a four-way competition at quarterback. He has listed all four as potential starters. Um, so, Ethan Garber's, Dylan Morris, Jacob Servan, and Kevin Thompson are all listed as possible starters for that first game. Sam and I's inclination is that it's probably actually down to two guys. And we also think that it's very likely that two quarterbacks will play that first game. Yep. That being Dylan Morris and Kevin Thompson, in case you guys haven't listened to the third episode, but. Hopefully you have, and if not, please go back and listen to the third episode. All right, moving on to tailback. Uh, this is where the controversy starts, and yeah, Sam, I know you have the most.
1: Yeah. You know, so here's the to deal. to say about this. I know we just patted ourselves on the back for predicting the offensive line perfectly. Well. Here's what I'm going to tell you that as we're going into fall and winter, it's going to be some cold, frigid nights. You might think, you know, to you and your family or your significant other, you might want to start a bonfire. Well, print out the freaking depth chart and use it as your fire starter, because this is a total piece of shit. There's no way in hell that Kamari Pleasant is our starting running back. He's listed as the starting
0: not even an or yeah not even an or there
1: and if you listen to our offensive preview i thought that kamari pleasant was a transfer potential i don't think that he has shown anything on tape before to warrant playing time i mean he's put on a lot of size he's at six foot 230 so maybe if we want to go the power running route there might be a role for him but even then i don't think he's a power runner and we have a proven power runner in Richard Newton. So I was shocked. I think this is probably Jimmy Lake just playing games with Cal and the fans mm-hmm. or the rest of the running backs have COVID. I don't know. <laughs> but like I said, once I saw this, I knew this depth chart was, wasn't was worth anything. Take the rest of this with a grain of salt because this was just like blasph- blasphemous in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I... Tend to side with Sam on this. Uh, if you haven't listened to the third episode, Sam and I widely were widely thought that Kamari Pleasant was probably the odd man out in this running back group. Of technically, there's there's four guys that we that are widely thought to be contributors this year. That being Kamari Pleasant, who apparently is the starter now, so crown his ass. Sean McGrew, uh, Richard Newton. As Sam alluded to earlier, as well as a red a redshirt freshman Cam Davis, right? Redshirt freshman, yep. not sophomore. Yeah. So Cam Davis as well should be in the mix, which he isn't even listed on the on the depth chart right now. So little interesting, I think. I think there's a couple things going on here. Sam talked about how Jimmy Lakes largely, I think, just kind of playing mind games with with Cal and with the fans. I think there's a lot of that going on. I also think this is kind of just a tip your cap to a senior who has been in the program for a while and they're possibly rewarding him as being the starter. So I don't take a lot of a lot from this. I think I think Kamari Pleasant is still going to be the odd man out in in the running back group. I think I think you're going to see a lot of Richard Newton in this first game is my guess. And I think as the season goes on, Cam Davis is probably going to be a, a big contributor as well with Sean McGrew, you know, getting his spot chances in certain situations.
1: Yeah. And uh, Mari Pleasant, maybe he takes the first snap or the first three or four snaps of the yeah, game. So exactly. technically he might be your starter. Right. But Cam Davis I mean, did
0: the same thing in the Boise State Bowl or in the in the uh, Las Vegas Bowl against Boise State. He was, yeah. he was the starter, but he only ended up with like a carry that game yeah
1: i mean i'll be happy to eat some crow if kamari pleasant turns out to be a stud running back whatever from what i've seen to date and we've got you know three years of watching kamari pleasant play Mm -hmm. i don't see it
0: it's not where the upside is on this team or in this group so so all right we'll see how it goes We'll we'll definitely dig deeper into this depth chart a little bit more and go back back through it in that preview episode on on that's going to be released friday evening so we'll get back to this and have some more discussion around it as it pertains to this particular game we're kind of just approaching this you know depth chart just came out today and we want to compare it to kind of what we had been thinking in the previous two episodes about how it compared to kind of what we thought this husky team was going to shape shape up to be like so all right wide receiver Um, I would say, which I already did say, I guess to you, Sam, that it is promising at least that Puka Nakua was listed as a starter here. We had talked about in the previous episode that there might be an injury going on that's lingering from last year and that his kind of playing status in this early part of the season is pretty up in the air. Sam still thinks that's probably the case according to what he's read. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that, Sam.
1: Yeah, from what I've been hearing, it sounds like Puka is still in a boot and unlikely to even make the trip to Cal. So I'll be surprised if he plays this week. But maybe having him listed as a starter here shows that his season isn't done. And I think it wouldn't be any surprise to... Anyone that as long as Puka's healthy, he's our best receiver. So I'm cool with him being listed here.
0: Yep, for sure. And this will factor into our predictions later. So we'll come back to this whenever we get to those. At the slot position, you have Terrell Bynum. No I mean, no surprise there. Had a strong season last year, especially towards the end of the year, and is technically our leading receiver coming back from 2019 so expect a good year from Terrell and I expect him to probably hold that spot throughout the year unless one of these true freshmen come on and supplant him but he's he's he fits the mold of that that slot receiver a little bit better than these guys do so and then you know the kind of the wild card here is Ty Jones at that third receiver spot and a big dude. He's six four, right? Tallest guy in the tallest yep. guy in the receiving core, and had a huge twenty eighteen as a sophomore, and had almost five hundred receiving yards and like six touchdowns. I think that year. Yeah. So, he's honestly a guy that I'm probably most excited about in this receiving core, as far as just having a bounce back year. He was injured injured for most of 2019 and then ended up playing a couple games towards the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. But ended up still taking that red shirt, red shirt year. Um, with the new rules, you can play up to four games and still redshirt in a in a given season. So he ended up being a perfect candidate for that and got a year of eligibility and Obviously, this year is a free year of eligibility, so Ty could come back next year too if he wanted to. But since we're focused on 2020, I'm I'm excited for the potential of what he could do this year. For interesting, sure. the, interesting little note here that we have two starting wide receivers at least on the depth chart out of Provo, Utah.
1: There you have it.
0: So apparently, that's that's where our, where we're recruiting our wide receivers is Provo, Utah.
1: Most of them are pretty good, so
0: keep it coming, Provo. Indeed. Uh, All right, so defensive side of the ball now. Uh, I'd say the defensive line, not a lot sticks out. I guess defensive line slash outside linebackers, not a lot sticks out. Yeah, pretty much chalk for the most part. The one thing that I would note is that Savell Smalls is indeed listed as the backup to Leatu Latu. The uh who's replacing Joe Tryon. So kind of that Leo type position that you would see in the NFL is kind of where what what that that role is in the in the defense. And true freshman Small, Smalls, the five star recruit, is indeed listed in the depth chart as a backup. So I expect him to be heavily in the rotation this year if that's a sign of things to come.
1: Absolutely. And I think to Connor's point. The defense here, pretty much what we'd expect with the exception of one position. So rounding out the front seven at the other outside linebacker spot is Ryan Bowman. He's a senior, been around the block for a while. The two interior defensive linemen will be Tule Le Tule Nasanoa and Josiah Bronson. No surprises there. They'll be backed up by Sam Taimani, Fa'atui Tuatele, And then our two starting inside linebackers will be Eddie Ulafoscio and Jackson Sermon. Again, no major surprises there. They kind of ended the year playing really well next to each other at middle linebacker. So hopefully they can pick up where they left off and continue that. In the defensive backfield, the corners were solidified in stone from the get-go. On the outside, you have Keith Taylor on one side, Trent McDuffie on the other, and then arguably our best player on the entire team, but certainly the defense, Elijah Molden, will play in that nickel corner position. And then at safety is where things are a little bit different than we expected. I know, Connor, you're really high on Asa Turner. He's listed Mm -hmm. as a starter at one safety position, And I anticipate he'll be a regular starter throughout the year regardless.
0: Yeah, for sure. But it's really the other safety position that we're a little, you know, head tilt about just like one of those things, again, kind of like the running back position. This is one of the areas of the depth chart that is Jimmy Lake just kind of fucking with us or is this actually what we should expect? I largely think he's just, again, Kind of fucking with us. Right now, the starter opposite of Asa Turner is Alex Cook. We briefly mentioned him in the second episode. And by briefly, I meant like mentioned his mentioned his name once, asked if we should talk about him, and said he's a former receiver that was converted to a defensive back. And that was about as deep as we got into it because we didn't think he was really going to be a contributor to this team. I mean... I think we we largely believe that the pairing that we would expect is going to be Asa Turner and Cam Williams. Cam Williams right now is listed as Asa Turner's backup. So the depth chart says that they're playing the same safety role, which kind of th- threw a wrench in my, my idea of how this defensive backfield would look. I don't know about you, Sam.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I anticipated Asa Turner and Cam Williams being paired together. Similarly to the middle linebackers, they ended the year last year playing next to each other really well. So I think it was fair to expect that they would try to pick up where they left off and continue playing alongside each other. One note on Alex Cook, the difference between this surprise and the tailback surprise is alex cook while he was recruited as a wide receiver there were a lot of teams that were recruiting him as a defensive back
0: Mm -hmm. and he He played played, both in high school right so
1: he played both in high school and he played wide receiver with a very physical defensive mindset and Mm so i'm not ruling out the possibility that alex cook now has a year under his belt on the defensive side of the ball he's a six physical player he obviously has hands because he started out wide receiver so i think there's a chance that this this one could be legit but it doesn't make it any less surprising that cam williams isn't the starter at this spot
0: yeah yeah this definitely you know raised my eyebrows a bit and sam's right like i mean He's no doubt athletic and, you know, one of those true athletes that can play both sides of the ball. And there's a reason that they converted him to being a defensive back because they believe in his physicality at that position. And they think he has a proper mindset to play, to play defense. So he for sure could, can, could end up being the starter and maybe it sticks. I largely think that this is honestly kind of a formality type thing as well and you're kind of giving the nod to a more veteran player in the in the in the safety role. So we'll see what happens. That'll be definitely something to watch though throughout the the first game and see how see out, you know, as that pertains to the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But yeah. I think in the large part the defense is stacked and I think a lot of these players are going to be interchangeable and we'll see multiple players playing in the first game and obviously throughout the season. Connor, do you want to just breeze through the specialist section before we jump into our predictions?
0: Yep, for sure, and we'll go quick here. The place kicker, no surprise here, Peyton Henry, had an amazing year last year and fully expect him to build off of that this year. he's He's a junior um and yeah he was perfect i think in extra points last year and only missed two field goals so that's about all you can ask from a kicker in in college so hopefully he continues that this year at punter you got race porter uh this was one of the what one of the areas that we thought you know there might be a little bit of a competition at coming into the year but Race Porter is listed as the only punter right now on the depth chart, so I would expect him to take the majority of those snaps. Trenton Brown might – might, or Tristan Brown? Tristan. Tristan Brown might factor in at some point this year, but at least to start with, it looks like Race Porter, who is now on scholarship, was awarded a scholarship this last offseason, is also being rewarded with being the starter in, in the initial depth chart. Um, kickoff returns not a huge surprise here at all Sean McGrew and Kyler Gordon are listed as the primary kickoff return uh, specialists so I would expect both of them to get opportunities back there and possibly both be back there at the same time Um, punt returner this was probably the not really biggest surprise but you know one of the, I was probably expecting someone else to initially be listed there, and Trent McDuff- Trent McDuffie is the one listed as the the primary punt returner for this first game. And while that excites me, it also scares the shit out of me just because he's obviously a huge contributor to the defense. So, punt returning is obviously one of the most dangerous roles on the field, as far as, you know, that's a lot of speed coming at you and really violent plays happen on on punt returns and kick returns, but especially punt returns just because of how the blocking works. So, well, it excites me just because I think Trent McDuffie would be really good in that role and is going to be really good in that role. It does does scare me a bit just because we're going to heavily be relying upon him as that starting starting corner
1: yeah and I think it comes down to the risk benefit analysis and I think when you have somebody as dynamic as Kyler Gordon as a potential punt returner who at this point doesn't seem to be a mainstay in the defensive backfield maybe you would like to see someone like him be your punt returner who Mm -hmm. obviously you would never want anyone to get injured but from an impact to your defensive starting lineup. He is a little bit more expendable than Trent McDuffie. Yep. I do think that we'll see Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon switch off hunt return duties there. And then just rounding out the specialists, we have a new long snapper this year, Jaden green. And I actually looked up and remembered the name of our long snapper for the past three or four years no, so it was it a- yeah. AJ Cardi.
0: There you go. Who was a
1: stud? You don't know his name because he never missed a snap. He was a stud. And so hopefully, Jaden Green, as a true freshman, can come in and pick up where he left off. And then our holder for kicking will be our starting punter, Race Porter, who's Mm -hmm. been doing that for at least a year, year and a half or so. Yeah. So that's your 2020 depth chart for your Washington Huskies. Again, if you feel like, making a fire print this sucker out and light it up because i wouldn't take too much away from this document with some of the things that we've seen and it'll be really fun to see what who takes the field at 7:30 on saturday i think it'll be a little bit different than potentially what we're looking at here
0: alternatively to a fire if you have an upset stomach And decide you need to run to the bathroom, print this sucker out real quick, and use it as (laughs) toilet paper. Because yeah, i I would take this with a grain of salt as far as what you're actually going to see in snap counts in that Cal game, but especially at just a few positions. But I think you know, probably probably at least three quarters of that depth chart is pretty accurate as far as what you're going to see on the field. So, yep. All right. Should we get into some predictions, sir? Let's do it. All right. So just to give you guys a rundown at what statistical categories and again, player roles, I guess we're going to be predicting. Uh, We're going to start with most tackles on the team, most sacks, most interceptions, and then a defensive MVP. That's all defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side, we're going to do most rush yards, most rushing TDs, most receiving yards, most receiving touchdowns, and an offensive MVP. We're also going to predict a few breakout players, um, you know, players that have been in the program possibly, but this is kind of their year that they're really going to take that next step, as well as some impact, impact freshmen. We're also going to predict the record and go game by game just briefly and predict our final record for the Huskies this year. And then we'll wrap with some pro dogs and just kind of what the rest of the week looks like and remind you guys of some future episodes that are coming up. So without further ado, let's start with most tackles. Who is your prediction for most tackles, Sam?
1: No surprise here. I am going with the person that ended last year with the most tackles in the last handful of games. I think you, you know, a good sign of a a solid defense is that your linebackers lead the team with tackles and, and not your safeties or corners. So I'm going with Eddie Ulofosio. I think he'll rank right around eight to 12 tackles a game. And I'm expecting big things from him this season.
0: Yeah. And like Sam said, if, if the defense is playing the way that it should, it should be one of your inside linebackers that's leading the team in, in tackles. And I also am predicting Eddie Ulofosio to lead the team in tackles this year. Uh, I would say that Elijah Molden could be kind of a dark horse candidate. For this, yep. for this statistical category as far as leading the team just because he plays close to the line of scrimmage a lot of the time and has a huge impact on the run game. He's really good in that slot corner role um, at stopping the run. So I think he could also factor in as well. But I think ideally and given just the role of an inside linebacker, Eddie is probably the guy that is going to lead the team in tackles this year.
1: How about sacks, Connor?
0: Sacks, I am going with Ryan Bowman. Rhino. The Rhino, yes. So uh, Ryan Bowman is the most seasoned veteran in kind of the outside linebacker rush roll area of the team. And uh, two of the last three years, he's gotten five and a half sacks, kind of one of your more. I guess he's te- technically your most proven pass rusher on the team. Absolutely. And so i I think he's in for a another big year um, in a six game season. I'd probably predict you know something like four sacks. Like it's it's not going to be as flashy as his his twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen probably, as far as 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 statistics go. But I do think that he's going to have a strong year and um, contribute to the. The pass rush in a big way. How about you, Sam?
1: I'm going with the splashy pick here. I'm going with the true freshman, local kid from Seattle, Savelle Smalls. Woo! His last name doesn't tell the story because there ain't nothing small about this kid.
0: (laughs) Talk about a hot take, though. True freshman leading the team in sacks.
1: 6'3, 250, lightning quick first step. I think he's going to overwhelm some of the opposing right tackles and left tackles in the PAC 12 Hill face just athletically. I think he's on another level. Yeah. He certainly needs to work on some technique and adapt to the college game, but I anticipate him to have a big year and be our main pass rushing specialist. I think you'll see him come in on almost every obvious passing down. So I think you'll have plenty of opportunities to rush the passer And I'm I'm gonna predict that he's gonna get upwards of five to six sacks this season.
0: It's a big year. I think in this season I think he's
1: gonna be really good.
0: I hope you're right because that would be huge for this team. Uh, With the with the departure of Joe Tryon to the NFL, this this team definitely needs an edge rusher opposite of Bowman. And while Latu is largely thought to fill that role in a starting in a starting sense, at least, Savelle Smalls is is thought to be contributing to that that role as well. So I'm excited to see what Savelle can do in his freshman year.
1: Yeah, I think you'll see Lyatu Latu play most of the first and second down plays. Yeah. And then I think Savelle Smalls is just a, such a natural pass rusher that I think it'll make sense to have him on the field for majority of the third down plays we see.
0: Also a really easy way for a freshman to get his feet wet too right just get him in on some third down situations and just tell him go get the quarterback go get him so it's you know no containments responsibilities and stuff like that that's where you see some true freshmen typically struggle yeah if he's in there on some you know obvious passing situations i think he could really thrive in that role all right interceptions what do you got sam
1: well I have to say that I put my predictions down before the depth chart came out, but I'm going to stick with it because like I've mentioned before, I don't, I don't think that the depth chart is, is worth anything. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going with Cam Williams, three interceptions from his safety spot. All right. And part of my thought process behind that is I want to pick somebody like Trent McDuffie or Molden, but I think they're so proven and they're such good players that I think the tape that they put on in 2019 is going to scare some teams away from throwing that way. Sure. That's fair. So I think just from the pure lack of volume of passes going Molden and McDuffie's direction, I think I feel more comfortable going with someone else in the backfield. And I think Cam Williams had three interceptions last season. Yep. I think he'll probably end up with two or three this year and, and be the best hands in the room.
0: Yeah. And as far as interception numbers, we're not probably talking huge numbers here with a shortened season. It's probably going to be in that two to three, maybe, maybe four interceptions yeah. to lead the team. But to give you guys an idea, I think four interceptions led the team last year. So, and that was a full year. So I would be surprised if someone reached that mark. But the guy that I got, similar to Sam, I do think that it's going to come from the safety position, but I'm expecting huge things out of Asa Turner. I am all aboard the Asa Turner hype train. And in case you guys have not checked it out, listeners, you should check out UW Football's Instagram and Twitter. Asa Turner, and I can't remember if it was, a scrim- it was a scrimmage or if it was a practice, he picked off three of the Quarterbacks in one practice. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, again, this is social media. They're putting out what they want to. And I'm sure Jimmy Lake is, you know, only really tipping his hand in areas that he really wants to tip his hand as far as going into this initial game against Cal. But I really do believe strongly in Asa Turner. He's bulked up over the offseason. I think he's going to play a huge role on this defense. And he's just got some serious length to him at that safety position. And he's going to be, you know, a a huge contributor, not only in the passing game, but also in the run game, just because he's a physical player. But I do think that he he ends up leading the team in interceptions just because of his length and because of his playmaking ability. Uh, We saw it, you know, at the end of his senior year coming into his freshman year at UW and some of the, you know, All-American Polynesian bowls, I think he had interceptions in both of those games. Yep. So obviously just a playmaker at that safety position and likes to get his hands on the ball. Um, so I, I see that trend continuing. He only had one interception last year, so I correct myself from two episodes ago. He only had an interception in the BYU game last year, but did still get his hands on some balls and get close to some interceptions later in the year. I think he's going to actually pick some of those balls off this year and lead the team in picks.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good pick and you hit the nail on the head. Whenever you have the length in the backfield that he does, he's, it's not a matter of, of when or of if, but when sure. he's going to get his hands on the ball. He just got abnormal length and quarterbacks aren't going to be able to make that, quick calculation in their head and adjust their pass accordingly. So I think that's a good pick as well. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Moving to our defensive MVP category. I think we're both in agreement here. Yeah. Our best defensive player is Elijah Molden. I think while we didn't pick him to lead the team in tackles, sacks or interceptions, I think you're going to see him have you know, fill out the stat sheet across all the categories really consistently and mm-hmm. have a leadership presence on the defense and and bring that death row mentality. So I think I'd be surprised if he wasn't our defensive MVP. It just really feels like a shoe in to me at this point. He's that good.
0: Yeah, he's really the glue to this defense as far as just like that intricacy between the – Defensive backs in the passing game and the linebackers in the run game, he's like the perfect complement to both at that corner at that slot corner position. He's really good at playing both. And, you know, he had three forced fumbles last year too. The dude can lay a stick. Like I yeah. think for a small dude, like he's gonna, you know, make it make a huge impact, um, not only just in his statistics, but as far as his on field presence, just because He's got that kind of, you know, what's the word that I'm looking for?
1: It factor.
0: That's a good way of putting it, Sam. Thank you. Yeah.
1: I think at the end of the day, one of the things that you look for in a defensive MVP too, outside of stats is, you know, one forced fumble or one interception is not equal to any other. And I think in that sense, Molden has shown a capability of making the big plays in the biggest moments of the game. And so I think as we see the season unfold and our defense makes big plays, more likely than not, the person making the play that we need, whether it's a third down stop or a goal line interception like we've seen last year. It's going to be Elijah Molden, and I don't anticipate that changing from 2019 to 2020. And I think he's really taken the, the defense under his wing For sure. and so- solidified himself as the leader of the pack. And hopefully the young guys will follow suit and, and play with that same nasty death row defense mentality and have an awesome defensive year and play with some swagger and some attitude that we're used to seeing.
0: Yeah, good guy to follow. Dude bleeds purple and gold, which again, if you didn't listen to our second episode, I mentioned that his dad went to Oregon. So, pretty fucking God awesome. Pretty fucking God awesome to have him in uh in purple and gold. So, And
1: while and while we're shouting out social media, he if you go to Elijah Molden's Twitter or in maybe it's on Instagram, I'm not sure. I'm not much of a social media guy myself, but he does they just came out with a one to two minute highlight film of Elijah Molden's season last year. It's you're looking for something to pump you up on Saturday, right around (laughs) seven o'clock or so. uh, Take a look. It'll get the juices flowing.
0: And I will repeat myself from earlier episodes that he was the best player on the field, the last three or four games of the season. And that was with some other NFL talent on the field and he came back. So Expect huge things from Elijah Molden this year. All right. Should we move to the offensive set of the ball, Sam?
1: Yeah. You want to touch on passing really quick? I know we kind of did our prediction last episode.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously kind of Sam and I have a little bet going when it comes to the quarterback position on who is going to lead the team in passing yards come the end of the year. Uh, My money is on Kevin Thompson. I think if Sam were not in a betting situation he would probably lean the same way. Yeah. But because me... of the way but because of the way that we structured the bet, he's taking Dylan Morris. He has some odds in his favor as far as the prize. If Dylan Morris ends up being the incumbent starter and beats the team in passing, I will buy Sam a nice bottle of gentleman's jack. And if Kevin Thompson becomes the starter and leads the team in passing, which I think is largely thought to be the rumor at this point, then I will get a six pack of Likely Coors Light.
1: I might, I might upgrade slightly to Montucky for you.
0: Okay, but I'd appreciate that. Yeah, Montucky's, Montucky's good stuff. So,
1: absolutely, but yeah, to Connor's point, I think largely the. The favorite here is likely Kevin Thompson, but as Connor pointed out, and Connor knows me really well. We've been friends now for almost a decade, if you can believe it. And he knows it's been me over well a decade enough. now. Man, we're getting old. <laughs> but yeah, he Hate knows if he, he knows if he dangles some free Jack Daniels out there, I'll do just about anything. <laughs> so shit, I would have said Kamari Pleasant will be our leading rusher if Jack Daniels was on the line. <laughs> hey, hey. Who's
0: our leading rated passer from last year coming back?
1: Richard Newton.
0: That's right. Your starting nice. quarterback
1: this year. <laughs> Richard one Newton. One Big and, Dick one. Newton. One for one and a touchdown.
0: That's right. His ratings like ridiculous. It's like five hundred something. It, the college rating system's weird, but yeah, his yeah. quarterback ratings five thirty nine point two. Nice. One for one for a thirteen yard touchdown last year. In the
1: In bowl, the bowl game. game? Yeah. Throw Bynum.
0: There you go. So, There's your dark horse candidate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Back to more serious stuff here. Uh, as we've talked about and is largely thought again for this Husky team on the offensive side of the ball, it's going to be largely a running-focused approach, and there's what we think three main main tailbacks that are going to contribute this year with Kamari Pleasant being the odd man out, not the incumbent starter going into Cal game week. And so I don't think the, I think, I think this is one of the more debatable categories as far as just like with a three tailback you know, largely thought to be a three tailback room. There's going to be like, you know, somewhat split carries there. So I think there is some room for debate as far as this, this rushing yards category goes.
1: Yeah. And I think for that exact reason, I chose different players for each rushing category Mm -hmm. for rushing yards. I'm going with cam Davis. I think he'll break off a couple of really long runs, kind of a game breaker, type player at running back but for rushing touchdowns i mean cam or cam newton goodness
0: i did that almost last episode i did yeah i, seriously, I didn't so.
1: catch myself yeah. richard newton
0: that's too easy
1: i know richard newton had 10 touchdowns last year and he was a stud when he got into the red zone really yeah. smells the blood in that goal line situation mm-hmm. i think Richard Newton's going to lead the team in touchdowns by a long shot. I think he's just so effective in that role, but I do give a slight edge to rushing yards to Cam Davis, just because I do think that he has the big play potential that Richard Newton doesn't so to speak. And in the terms that I can see Cam Davis ripping off a 70 yard touchdown, mm-hmm. whereas I don't really see that ability from Richard Newton But again, to Connor's point, I think it's tough to see how the carries are going to shake out, but that's what I'm going with. I think largely Sean McGrew will be sprinkled in here and there, but I do think that Cam Davis and Richard Newton are going to be a really, really solid effective one-two punch, especially when you look at our offensive lines makeup Mm -hmm. and how big they are. I do think that will be a power run heavy offense and, both of those two will get their fair shakes for sure.
0: No doubt. Yeah. And that's a fair point with Cam Davis, you know, he's a little bit more of a home run hitter than Richard Newton is as far as he can rip off that long gain, And that could, you know, sway the rush yards in a given season in you know, one run. So while I like that, I, I think that Richard Newton is going to get a bulk share of the carries earlier in the season. And while I think that Cam Davis is going to become an integral part of the offense by the end of the year, I think Richard Newton's going to be so far ahead. In as far as carries at that point, that it's going to be tough to catch him in terms of yards. So while I do think this is going to be a running back by committee, I think, probably two thirds of those carries initially are going to be Richard Newton. So that's why I have him leading the team in rushing yards and obviously in rushing touchdowns for the points that Sam, you know, made earlier.
1: Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, I'm going with Cam Davis just with a slight, slight edge, but your point stands true. I think Newton is going to lead the team in carries by a fairly healthy margin for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think, I will say the one thing I do want to point out is that 2021, I think Cam Davis is in for a huge year. Yep. So I think Richard Newton kind of evolves into that more goal line, short yardage back at that point. And Cam Davis really takes it to the next level and becomes that, you know, mainstay running back.
1: I got to ask you one question before we move on to the receivers. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, even for a second, consider your starting quarterback, Kevin Thompson, to be our leading rusher?
0: <laughs> I hope not. No? No, I really hope not. I I do think he's going to factor in the run game. We've listed off his statistics, statistics from last year. I don't remember them off the top of my head, and I don't have them right in front of me.
1: I got them but... in front of me. 619 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns.
0: Yeah. So pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's in college. That's for an FCS school in Sacramento State. And, you know, obviously a dual threat quarterback there. And I do think some of the play calling, if he is the starting quarterback, is going to revolve around his legs. I think this offensive line is just too good, though, for you to not, you know, lean on your running backs and that part of your game. You don't want to put yourself in a position it's not like Kevin Thompson is a huge dude that can take a bunch of hits. Yeah. He was playing for an FCS school last year, like the like, the size of these guys is much different than anything that you're going to see in the Pac-12. And it's not like the yeah. Pac-12 has really, you know, anything huge compared to the SEC. So it's just a different level of 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 player as far as just the athleticism and size. So I I think while I do think he's going to contribute with his legs and running the ball, I really hope that they're going to be leaning on the running backs in in the run game. So I, and I, I foresee that happening.
1: He's basically what you're saying is he's no Jake Locker.
0: No, he's not built. He's not built like Jake the snake.
1: Not like Jake.
0: Yeah. I guess Jake the snake was Jake Plummer technically, but I still heard that Jake Locker called jake the snake too when he was in college i don't know if you heard that or not but
1: jake locker had a bunch of different nicknames he was a beast i love me some jake locker good guy what i wish we could have had him in the chris peterson years
0: right yeah that would have been exciting
1: that's actually an interesting topic for a future podcast we should do like an all-time husky roster that'd be fun
0: yeah that'd be another fun like off-season podcast i think so yeah we can do that you know those those late winter, early spring months are going to be pretty pretty high and dry as far as the Seattle sports scene. So we're going to need some things to talk about. I think.
1: Hey, we could be talking about the the Kraken.
0: Not 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 untrue here. I mean, Expansion not this next draft, not this next year. But yeah, I mean, we'll, they'll be obviously going into the draft and everything going into this next year. So definitely a yeah. I mean, I I had no fuck about hockey, but like I would love to you know become the integral kraken podcast
1: we'll dabble yeah we'll dabble
0: (laughs) all i know Uh, is Everett silver tips so all right back to husky football
1: wide receivers
0: wide receivers yes sam you have a very bold pick i would say here in receiving yards so please explain yeah
1: Another splashy true freshman pick. I've got Rome Odunze leading the team in receiving yards, might I, think... I say,
0: not not listed on the depth chart initially. But Sam and I both agree that Jimmy Likes trying to play him tight to the vest and oh, yeah. that he's definitely going to play this first game
1: and probably make an impact. So, from what I've heard in the practice reports, He's going to be a big-time contributor to this offense. You don't have a true freshman showing up a potentially all-NFL backfield defensively for no reason. I think Odunze is going to be a a stud. I think following similar logic to my running back picks, I don't know that he'll be our every-down best receiver but i think he's not not gonna lead
0: the lead the team in receptions no
1: exactly but i do think that he more so than anyone with maybe the exception of a healthy puka nakua and potentially his classmate Jalen mcmillan another true freshman i think romo dunze likely has the most game-breaking big play capability And so for that reason, I think he will potentially end the season with the most receiving yards. I think going to receiving touchdowns, I think I'm going with Ty Jones for his stature at 6'4", 200 pounds. You know, he had a good production in terms of touchdowns in his last full season in 2018. Big body, good red zone target. I think he can body up smaller defensive backs and be really productive in in the red zone. So for that reason, I'll go with Ty Jones. Although now that I'm kind of sneaking a peek at at Connor's dark horse pick, kind of like where your head's at.
0: Yeah, dude. So I went I went not far from Sam here. I guess as far, so. Receiving touchdowns, I also have Ty Jones. To be fair. And I will, I will preface this though with the fact that if I, if Puka Nakua is healthy, I think he leads the team in both these categories.
1: Yeah, I'm on that. I'm on that team as well. If Puka's so, playing, he leads in everything.
0: But I think Sam and I are both in agreement that something's not right with him, and he's probably you know sidelined for at least a couple games here to start the season. So, with such a short season, he's going to be kind of you know fighting an uphill battle if he's going to be leading the team in either of these categories. So I am picking elsewhere in receiving yards. I have Terrell Bynum. He's your leading receiver from 2019 as far as receiving yards. I just think that having that slot option is going to be big as far as just an outlet for a, you know, new quarterback in a new system. It's just one of those, you know, the route tree is a little bit closer to the line of skirmish typically. Or a slot receiver. So I foresee Bynum being a decent, decently big part of this offense, at least initially, until they can kind of you know get their bearings and maybe expand the field a little bit or extend the field a little bit. And again, like Sam said, just with his size receiving touchdowns, I have Ty Jones. And that's largely just because he's such a red zone presence and he's a big body down there. What Sam was alluding to though is dark horse candidate for both of these categories i have k dotten and he's your starting tight end this year and similar to bynum i see k Otten playing a very you know kind of like a release valve type thing for type type of role for any kind of quarterback a check down option For the quarterback, again, simpler route tree, closer to the line of scrimmage. I see that being a decently big part of the passing game this year. You know, you're probably going to send a couple of these guys deep and then have a couple more guys that are a little bit more check down style and Otten really thrives in that role. So I could see Kate Otten, you know, getting a lot of looks and a lot of targets, especially earlier on in the season while the quarterback's kind of feeling himself out in this offense. And I also think Kate Otten's a great, you know, another big body to be a good target, a solid target in that, in that red zone as well. So I, my dark horse candidate for both of those is Kate Otten. I think he's in for a big year and I think he's gone after this year too.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with that. I really like that pick. Kate Otten is going to for sure play a, a significant role I think you're going to see him out there for 99.9% of the snaps whether that's in a, a route running receiving role or in a run blocking role. He just really similarly to how Elijah Molden is the glue on the defense, I think in a lot of ways and in in, in and even more unheralded position k is that glue for our offense yeah if you get a dark horse pick i do too and yeah, for that for reason i'm gonna go with puka nakua even if he plays yeah. half the season he's like so it. damn good that i think he could overtake everyone in the stats category so
0: you best believe if he's on the field he's gonna lead the team in targets
1: 100 percent
0: like in that particular game if he's on the field like and at least he should if the game plan is sound
1: yep i agree offensive mvp who are you going with
0: so again not a super sexy pick here i just think that the running game is going to be so integral to this offense working this year and you know if i'm picking both a leader in rush yards and rush tds rushing tds to be Richard Newton. I also think he's gonna be your offensive MVP this year. I expect I expect a really big year from Richard Newton. You know, I Sam, I think we were watching the Stanford game last year together, whenever Richard Newton went down at Stanford. And the entire dynamic of that game just changed after he went down. And that was even with a healthy Sylvan Ahmed, like just the, the offense did not, especially just like in that, like, you know, bruising running style that I think this team really, you know, encompasses. That's what I want to see this year. I want to see Richard Newton in on, you know, two thirds of the plays and getting, you know, 20 plus carries a game. Like, I think that, that's when your offense is really going to be at its peak just because of the inexperience at quarterback for one, I mean, inexperience slash experience, I guess if you're talking about Kevin Thompson, he doesn't have experience at this level of college competition and it's a new offense. So I think you, I think you lean on on the guy that you know is a proven commodity in Richard Newton and he really leads the offense as far as uh, just a, just an MVP this year on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I really like that pick, actually. And what you picked up on in that Stanford game is really important. I think you can look back at some of those early Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll Seahawks teams, and the person who set the tone for the team, both offensively and defensively, was Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. He brought an attitude with him in the way that he ran the ball that just invigorated the team and brought a a level of confidence and swagger and belief in that we are physically going to impose our will on the opposition and i think we saw flashes of that from Richard Newton last year you know something as mundane as a third and 2 and he picks up 3 yards he Gets up and he's stomping around, shaking his head, yelling at the other team. And he's
0: got some major swagger to him.
1: Some people might not like that. I freaking love it. And I tell you what, his teammates, if he can back it up, I love it. Yeah. His teammates, you know, they get fueled off of things like that. So Mm. I like that pick. I think Newton could for sure wind up being our offensive MVP for not only the statistics, but also what he means from a. Uh, mentality and setting the tone. Yeah. And I really hope that he sets that tone early against Cal because Lord knows we're going to need it. Just establish some physicality up front would be awesome. Mm -hmm. On my side, I'm going a little bit against the grain here again. I'm pretty high on this team in general. We'll get into our records and go game by game Mm -hmm. in, in a minute, but I really think that whoever our quarterback ends up being is going to be the MVP because I think that they have the supporting cast around them to have a really good year. I think they have a solid running game and in terms of running productive running backs, really solid offensive line. We have weapons at wide receiver. So I know that there's some, you know, skepticism and caution around our quarterbacks but I think based on the talent that is surrounding them our quarterback will have a better than expected year I think the thread that I'm going with is I do believe Dylan Morris is a bit of a more prolific passer in terms of arm strength and moxie in the pocket and so for that reason I'm going offensive MVP for Dylan Morris I think one of the things that plays into my thought process behind that as well is how I have the running backs kind of shaking out i I have cam Davis with more rushing yards cam or geez Louise
0: don't worry dude I almost I almost slipped up last week don't worry I
1: Trust wish you were it's... here just to like slap me in the face every time I'm about to say that because it's disrespectful. I'll have, a, I'll have
0: a spray bottle next time we're together. It's
1: disrespectful to Richard Newton because he's going to make a name for himself. <laughs> I promise.
0: <laughs> Just call him Big Dick Newton. Stop trying to like. You I know, know. I I should try to be so. Here. I
1: shouldn't. I shouldn't be so polite. Big Nick. Yeah. Big Dick Newton is going to lead the team in rushing touchdowns. And so I think because the statistical categories there are going to be split between Cam Davis and Newton, I'm not giving the MVP to the running back. And I think. At the end of the day, I guess quarterback is kind of the safe pick. They're yeah, you know, the the field general and and the coach on the field, so to speak. And I do think that Dylan Morris has some innate, intangible leadership skills that are gonna show themselves if he gets the opportunity to play that will really set himself apart and take this team to some pretty great places. So I'm gonna go offensive MVP Dylan Morris.
0: Yeah, and he's for sure the upside pick I'd say at quarterback as far as just like if you really want to see this team exceed expectations. I think that's I think that's that's right in line with what Sam's pick is for offensive MVP. And I think ideally even if 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 Kevin Thompson ends up being the quarter the starting quarterback, ideally he is your offensive MVP. I foresee it just differently just because I think we're going to heavily rely upon our run game and we're probably going to run, you know, 60% of the time, which is a lot in case you don't know. Like, you know, typically the split's kind of like 55-45, pretty close to 50-50, you know, even in, in a typical year for the Huskies. But this year, I just, i just I think that running back group is deep enough and I think this offensive line just completely thrives in that run game as far as just mauling mauling the defensive side of the ball of the of the opponents just because of their size and athleticism so that's why my that's why I pick a running back for offensive mvp
1: how about your all breakout right. player of the year
0: yeah so i'm again super high on asa turner i'm all aboard the asa turner hype train I just think – I, so I think while we're both in agreement that Elijah Molden is likely the undisputed MVP of this defense, I think Asa Turner is nipping at his heels this year. I think he's going to have that big of an impact. Wow. I think this guy is not – he can do it all. Like, he's, he's great in the pass game just because of his length, but he's also a big dude that can – he's a sure tackler that can make an impact on the running game. And I see Asa Turner also being kind of like a Taylor rap style, like safety in blitzes. Like, I think he's going to be heavily featured in blitz situations and in passing down situations. And he's going to get to the quarterback and he's probably going to have, you know, a couple sacks this year as well. So I think Asa Turner's stats are going to go further than like kind of the flashy plays. I think tackle for loss is a huge thing to look at this year for Asa Turner. I think he's going to play close to the line of scrimmage and a lot of rundowns. And I also think he's going to have a lot of pass deflections just with his length. So those are the two statistical categories that I'd look at with Asa Turner this year. And I think he's going to really break out in a big way.
1: I like that pick. I think on my end, you know, I, I've I went with the sexy pick for sacks with Savell Smalls. I went for you know, arguably sexy picks in terms of rushing yards with Cam Davis and leading passer and offensive MVP and Morris. For breakout player of the year, I'm going with a less sexy pick in Leatu Latu. I don't I think, think it's
0: that- sexy. He's lost weight, dude. He looks pretty good out there. He's looking
1: trim. He's looking lean and mean. I like it. But I don't think that he's going to necessarily blow anyone away with, you know, filling up the stat sheet, so to speak. But I do think that this will be the coming of age year for Layatu Latu in terms of being an almost every down player, you know, to Connor's point earlier I think he'll be in the tackle for loss category quite a bit but yeah. I think where he'll really show up where you know Joe Tryon didn't always show up in this category is in terms of setting the edge and what yeah, I mean by them. that is containment and so when teams try to run outside can your defensive end get outside and force the running back back towards the middle of the field where your inside linebackers or your nickel corner can make the play whether that's Elijah Molden or Eddie Ulofosio I think there are going to be areas in our defensive scheme where Leotu Latu is going to make things happen that aren't going to be obvious to the eye or the stat sheet that will have a really, really significant impact on how this defense plays week in, week out. And, you know, I think he got a fair fair amount of snaps last season, but I think he's going to be a mainstay in our defense for the next couple of years. And I think it's a name that by the end of this shortened 2020 season, that's going to be a name that, almost every average Husky fan is going to know. And for that reason, breakout player of the year for me is Layoutu Latu.
0: I hope you're right because that, that discipline factor at that edge position was something that we have lacked the last couple of years with Joe Tryon mainly in that role. So, you know, as, as high as we were on Tryon coming into this year and hoping for big things, upon his, you know, declaration of the NFL draft or to the NFL draft, I should say. Leotu Laatu fills that role and if he can be more disciplined than Joe Tryon, you could almost think that that's an upgrade at that position.
1: Yeah, in some ways, I mean, I don't I wouldn't expect him to be as prolific of a pass rusher, but I think again to my point, like first second down, I think he's going to have a really positive impact on how our defense performs. And I think he has this physical nasty nature about him that will lend itself really well to playing those early, early downs, running the ball situations.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't sell short his pass rush. I think, I mean, he came into UW, you know, widely regarded for his pass rush, his pass rush skills. So, and he's trimmed some weight down. So I I'm wondering you know if that has to do with kind of like more of his skill speed moves as a yeah. pass rusher so I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised you know that's that's another dark horse candidate for sacks as far as leading the team so
1: yeah absolutely agree
0: cool all right so should we yeah well let's touch on a few of these freshmen that we think are going to make it make an impact uh I think we're in agreement on you know for the large part, I, I think we're in agreement on all of these players. Yeah, I largely see the impact of freshmen coming at both defensive end, outside linebacker with Savell Smalls, as well as the wide re- wide receiver position in both Rome Dunze and uh, Jalen McMillan. So I think I think all of those guys are going to see significant playing time for a freshman. And they all, you know, I don't see Smalls leading the team in sacks personally. I do think he's probably, you know, still going to tally two or three, which is still a good year. Wrong. Okay.
1: He's going for five or six.
0: <laughs> and then, as Sam alluded to with Roman Dunze, like this guy's a home run threat, as well as Jalen McMillan. Like, I think, I think Jalen McMillan, like he, is a guy that may only have, you know, 10 to 15 receptions this year, but those 10 to 15 receptions could be for 250
1: and you a know? couple of touchdowns.
0: Yeah. So, like, this is a guy that, you know, you take a shot on a slant on first and 10 from your own 20, 25 yard line and he houses it or takes it down inside the red zone. So, I see a couple of those receptions in Jalen McMillan this year, and that's why I think he's going to make a. You know, that's obviously a pretty big impact as a freshman. I know, Sam, you have someone listed here that we've talked about a little bit, but I think you will probably want to expand upon that a little bit more, as far as his impact.
1: Yeah, for sure. Off the the top of the show here, we we were going through the depth chart and walk through the tight ends that were listed and Mark Redman made an appearance as the third listed tight end again true freshman but he's college ready body he's really been exposed to the route tree he knows what he's doing in the receiving game he's physical in the running game i think 1 2 or maybe i'd be surprised if it took 3 games and Mark Redmond's going to be your backup tight end to Kate Otten. Again, I I don't know that he's going to light the stat sheet on fire per se, but I do think that number 81 is going to be in on a lot of plays. I think he'll have his impacts here and there. Again, as a true freshman, it's a lot to ask to come into that tight end position, particularly in our offense where we ask them to Do a lot of different things between going out for passes, running, you know, the full route tree, also pass blocking, run blocking. There's a lot of responsibility there, but from all reports, it seems like he's taken to that position really well. And so I I expect good things out of him. And then similarly to two of Connor's other picks, I've got Romo Dunze. Obviously I have him leading the team in reception yards. I think that's a name that Husky fans are going to have to get familiar with really quick. I hope so. And then Savell Smalls, obviously I'm I'm on the hype train. I think he's going to lead the team in sacks as a true freshman and continue to grow and grow that sack stat line year after year for the next 3 years. And tune in and watch him play because I think you're only going to get three years of Savelle Smalls before he's out playing on Sundays. So I'm expecting big things from him. And if I had to choose one impact freshman, I would go with Savelle Smalls.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's the that's the that's probably the consensus pick at this point, just because he's your five-star recruit at an impact position, like a pass rusher. like And he's for sure going to see snaps at this point, especially after we see that initial depth chart. He's a backup to Leatu Latu and as Sam has said repeatedly that Leotou Two is probably going to play your first and second downs, and if you get in a third-and-long situation, that's where you're going to see Savelle Smalls come in and really show his athleticism at that position and why he's a five-star recruit. And, you know, that's, that's where you really see us compared, you know, Sam, Sam alluded to in the second episode about if you want to see what kind of impact Savell Smalls can have on a game, go and look at Alabama's linebackers or Ohio State's linebackers, like go and look at some of those big programs and their style of linebackers, outside linebackers, DNs, like that's what Savell Smalls is. And he's just too good to keep off the field this year especially in, you know, a year that eligibility doesn't matter. So you have to throw him in there at some point. And I think he's going to really thrive in that third down pass rush role.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things I want to clarify here too, you know, we talk about Leatu Latu playing first and second down and then Savelle Smalls coming in as like a rush specialist on obvious passing downs. That is not to say that Layatu Latu is coming off the field. What I anticipate happening is with Ryan Bowman, yes, I know we're, you know, beating a dead horse. His nickname is the Rhino for a reason. <laughs> He's six foot two hundred and eighty pounds. He's a big dude. And so what I anticipate seeing is they'll slide Ryan Bowman inside to a defensive line position so that he can rush the passer from the interior. And then your two outside rushers will be both Layatu Latu, and Savelle Smalls. And so I think that's going to be a pretty potent pass-rushing mix. And then yeah. you throw in, obviously, the fourth defensive lineman can be Josiah Bronson, could be Tuli Nasinoa, Sam mm-hmm. Tamani. I mean, I, we just have such a, a wealth of depth. But I think those three, and Ryan Bowman, Leatu Latu, and Savelle Smalls are really going to get after the quarterback and it's going to be really fun to watch.
0: No doubt. Yeah. I see, I see freshmen making, you know, I think the way that the recruiting has happened and with Jimmy Lake at coach, the freshmen are going to make a bigger impact year after year. And this is kind of the beginning of that, you know, like, I mean, you've seen, you've seen freshmen make impacts, but not, I, I don't think They've made made impacts the way that these freshmen are about to make impacts. Yeah. So be excited, Husky fans. The future is very, very bright.
1: 7.30, Saturday, the season starts. Wake up, pay attention. 2020 is going to get a lot better, I promise.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, no doubt. All right. Sam, should we go game by game here and say if we're predicting a win or a loss for each matchup?
1: Yeah, let's do that. And and we probably won't go too in depth here. No, we'll we should because our...
0: we'll save we should save, you know. And I think it I think I should preface this with too that it's okay if your opinion now is different than when it comes to the game week of that week, you know, like Feelings change. We're fans, obviously, so feelings change, obviously, about the team. And we, we don't know a lot about this team. That's one of the most exciting parts about this year is that there's quite a bit of turnover and with a new head coaching staff and a new quarterback and new players at key positions on this team, we don't really know what to expect. All we know is that there's talent across the field on this Husky team. So Seeing that develop no matter what is going to be exciting this year. I think we approach it that way. But also, you you obviously hope for the best. And, you know, this team has the capabilities of pulling off a really, really good year, a really successful year. I think Sam and I both have, you know, some disagreements as far as what's successful this year. But let's just go ahead and start you know, game by game here. So at Cal, what do you have, Sam?
1: Well, the Jimmy Lake era gets started off with a bang. I can't stand the fact that we could possibly lose to Cal for a third year in a row. I think a lot of the secrecy and messing around Jimmy Lake has done with releasing particular information, including this crazy depth chart that he released today, is going to keep Cal on their toes. They really have nothing to go by. They don't know who our quarterback's going to be, new offensive coordinator. So I think for that reason, I think our offense might be able to catch them by surprise a little bit early in the game. And our defense is going to be strong enough throughout the entire game. And I think it's going to be a close game, but I do think UW is going to pull out the victory at Cal this Saturday.
0: And while I hope Sam is right, I'm a little bit less optimistic. I think it's a little bit of an uphill battle. The initial line on this game, we should say, was the Huskies favored by six and a half. I think it's less now. I don't know what it is right now.
1: I think it's one and a half.
0: Yeah, so you can see where the betting line's going. Obviously, Vegas was initially favoring UW, but a lot of the the betting lines are going towards Cal as far as the money goes. Um, I think there's a couple of things working against the Huskies in this initial game. The first is just experience. You have the most experienced quarterback in the conference in Chase Garber's leading Cal, as well as one of the more experienced running backs in Chris Brown. Who tore the Huskies up last year, might I say, towards the end of the game at home in that super weird lightning delay game. Hopefully you don't have one of those down in down in Berkeley this year.
1: You want you want some science, Connor? What's that? Lightning don't strike twice.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I think it's very unlikely that there's gonna be a significant weather delay down in Berkeley this year, this, this week. So
1: that's not what I'm talking about.
0: Oh, you're, you're thinking as far as just Chris Brown going off on the, on the Huskies.
1: Yeah. Lightning don't strike twice. They're not going to beat us again.
0: I will say that the middle linebacker crew this year should be a lot better than it was in that game. And that was a huge part of us giving up so many yards towards the end of the end of the game last year. I also think that the head coaching battle, Justin Wilcox has our number right now. And Jimmy Lake, as much as I like the hire, and I think he's going to do great things at UW, this is his first game as a head coach at any level. And I can't get past the fact that he possibly could make not only a coaching error but just get so tied up in his he's, he's a very fiery guy and he's an emotional person that I think he could make a critical decision based on those emotions which I think is not, not a trait that you really want in your head coach. Think back to early Pete Carroll years as far as you know throwing that challenge flag whenever it was obviously you know not what he was hoping it was to be i could see something similar to that where it, whether it comes with timeouts or going for it on fourth down something like that i could see happening in that in this first game and while i think it's going to be a competitive and it's going to be a close game i think experience wins this first game and i do mark this first first game of the jimmy lake era as a loss against cal Ooh. I know. I hate to bring everyone. Out there.
1: I think right. uh, we can probably lump these next two games as a combo. They're both at home yeah. at Husky Stadium against Oregon State and Arizona.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think, well, I do believe Jonathan Smith, uh, Chris Peterson, disciple, is doing good things at his alma mater at Oregon State. I just think the will be physically overwhelming. The talent gap is too much. I think we win that game. And then I also believe similarly with Arizona, I think we're, we're much too talented to have much of a close game at home against Arizona. I know I'm, I'm blessed that this game is at home and not on the road because the Huskies have had a hell of a time trying to play in the desert and I'll also add here in terms of the Arizona game, the way that the shortened COVID 2020 season shook out, there was one crossover game and the Huskies should be, you know, thanking their lucky stars that we got Arizona and didn't get a team like USC or Utah or Arizona state. State. And so I think if I'm looking at the next two games after Cal, I'm predicting two wins at home against Oregon state and Arizona.
0: Yeah. And while the North has been stronger in previous years, I think the South might be stronger this particular year. And uh, as Sam kind of alluded to, I also have us winning these next two games. I think they rebound from that cow loss and, you know, put up pretty big numbers against both OSU and Arizona. I think another thing that's going to work against them in the Cal game is the fact that I think they are going to play two quarterbacks in that first game, and I think that's going to bite them in the ass. And Jimmy Lake's going to learn quickly that he should probably just go with one guy, and they end up going with that guy, and that leads to bigger and better things over the rest of the season. But I do predict both OSU and Arizona, we just have too much talent and we overmatch them mostly from a size and athletic perspective. Just on that alone, I think we win
1: those games. After those two games is the Apple Cup. Again, in a a weird year, the Apple Cup is typically the Huskies' final game of the season. That won't be the case this year, although it will be played as tradition has kind of been the past couple of years on the Friday following Thanksgiving. I believe Mm -hmm. that's the 27th. It'll be in Pullman, so it could be inclement weather. We'll have to see how that shakes out. But
0: I think we already have a game time for that, too, don't we?
1: Yeah, we do. I can't think off the top of my head what it is. I can look it up. As, Connor's, as Connor's pulling that up, I think, you know, Wazoo, Mike Leach moved on to supposedly greener pastures at Mississippi State. They have a new head coach like the Huskies. Nick Rolovich comes from Hawaii. He runs a fairly similar pass-heavy offense as Mike Leach did. And again, similarly to my thoughts on Oregon State and Arizona, I don't think that there's enough raw horsepower and talent on the Cougar football team to run with the Huskies and Ever since Chris Peterson and his staff came over here, we haven't lost to Wazoo. And in the famous words of Miles Gaskin, I ain't never lost to no damn Coug. I don't expect that to change this year. And I think the Huskies will be hoisting the Apple Cup trophy and potentially a snowball in Wazoo at Pullman. And I think the Huskies will get out with a win.
0: Yeah, I think I you know, agree with Sam in basically every facet. I just think we overmatch Wazoo and until they beat us in this type of era with Jimmy Lake involved in UW's defense and just, you know, the team in general, even though it's not Mike Leach at Wazoo anymore, they're going to be running a pretty similar style of offense with Rolovich at the helm. So I foresee us winning that game and decently handily this year. I don't think Wazoo is really a threat this year in the North.
1: And for the listeners that don't know me, if this podcast, you know, goes off the rails and we do this for another 50 years, you're never going to hear me choose a loss in the Apple Cup. It's not going to happen. I will never, ever, 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 choose the cougars to win the apple cup my grandpa galen would roll over him in, in his grave if he heard me say that i thought the huskies would ever lose to the kooks it's not going to happen
0: i ain't lo- lose to no coup so can't agree with miles gaskin more than that so all right this next game i think We both have the same result, but I think we both agree that it's probably going to be a much closer game than the previous three, and it's going to be a hard-fought battle just because it typically is year in and year out.
1: Yeah, we've got Stanford in the, what is that, fifth game of the Mm -hmm. season. Yep. David Shaw, you know, Stanford had a bit of a down year last year. I know they had some injuries that played a part of that, but they have a returning quarterback in David Mills. And I think just with the brand of football that Stanford plays, they're physical and they can impose their will on any opponent in any given week. I think it'll be a hard fought battle, but I do think it's a home game and, you know, depending on how COVID throughout, the later days of fall plays out there might be potential for some audience in this stand maybe there'll be a little bit of an aspect of a home field advantage regardless if there's you know fans in the stands or not but I do think that Stanford's in a little bit of a rebuild and for that reason I think you know we've got three wins and Connor's Season coming into the game. In my season, they'll be rolling in 4-0. and I think they'll be playing with a lot of moxie and swag, and I think they'll take care of business against the Stanford Cardinal in, in week five.
0: Yeah, and as Sam was saying, this is a physical brand of football that David Shaw coaches, and it's going to be, you know, one of those games It's just, you know, a bloody hard fought battle and it's really going to start in the trenches and I think the difference in this game we're in years past is that we're just we're huge when it comes to the trenches we have nothing but 300 pound plus guys across our lines and I think that is what ultimately determines the outcome of this game and I do think that we get a hard fought win against Stanford at home. And I don't think it's going to be easy. And I think it's going to be one of those games that everyone's biting their nails at the end, it probably comes down to the last possession, might even be a game-winning field goal. But I do think that we we pull out, the, pull out the win against Stanford in that fifth game of the season.
1: I also think now that I'm looking at the schedule, I do think that this home game against Stanford will be the game where we don the all black jerseys there'll be a lot of hype around it yeah. i think we'll be undefeated going into the game and i think the players will be pretty hyped up and ready to meet the challenge
0: yeah there's no doubt that of the home games which it undoubtedly is going to be a home game that those black uniforms are unveiled this is the most obvious choice just from a competition perspective osu in arizona while well, They obviously deserve to be in the Pac-12. They're definitely lower-tier Pac-12 teams. And Stanford is one of those teams that, you know, they have a class of a head coach in David Shaw. He's the class of the the Pac-12 North. Uh, And, you know, second to Kyle Whittingham, the most tenured coach in the Pac-12. So obviously runs a very good program down there and has been successful in the past, even though he's had, you know, I think a couple down years at this point in a row. Yeah. But um, I expect them to not be far off from getting back towards the top of the Pac-12 North here. And it might start with this season.
1: Yep. And then the Huskies are going to end the season with a bang and Autzen stadium against our bitter, bitter rivals against Oregon. Mm-hmm. I think this game is going to decide the North champion mm-hmm. and go dogs. We're going to take care of business. We're going to come in there five and zero, and God damn it. We're leaving six <laughs> and
0: I really, really hope that Sam's right. And the eternal optimist and Sam as a Husky fan is one of the things that I lean on at this point of the season. I think this game is a total toss up. If, In a normal year, we're going down to Autzen and there's fans allowed in the stadium. I don't really give us much of a chance in this game. I think because of the fact that there's likely not to be any fans this year that I think it's a complete toss-up. But I do think that we come out on the losing end, unfortunately.
1: Nope, wrong again.
0: How can you even call me a Husky fan if I have us losing to Oregon? I get it. I'm sorry. I'm a realist.
1: What, do you, what I, the hell does that mean? What do you think about me?
0: An eternal optimist Husky fan. I think that's a good trait, though. Listen, fan.
1: Oregon is overrated. Let me break it down.
0: I agree. I agree I, with oh, that.
1: Oh, hey, Oregon, AP, top 25. Oh, top 15, Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. Listen, they got a new offensive coordinator. They've got a new quarterback. They lost their best offensive lineman. They're replacing their best defensive players.
0: Some, of them. Toughest, Some th- of them came back.
1: Yeah. Did Javon Holland come back or not? I'm not sure. I know Troy Dye's gone to graduation. The point is, is yes, Oregon is a really solid program. I won't deny that. But the idea that we're just going to crown Oregon as the cream of the crop of the North is ridiculous they're replacing just as much talent and coaching staff members as we are. I mean, I know Mario Cristobal is going to be the head coach and we've got a new head coach, but Jimmy Lake's been around. He knows the program. There's continuity there. And so if you can't tell in the tone of my voice, I'm getting pissed off by all these national pundits crowning Oregon, the North champion. What they have everything to prove that we do. If anything, this game is a toss-up. And in a toss-up, sure, Connor, call me the eternal optimist. But, yeah, in a toss-up game, I'm taking the dogs.
0: All right, Sam. You know what? Are you changing it? You convinced me.
1: Yeah! We're
0: going 5-1. and one.
1: That's We're what winning I like against
0: Oregon. We're starting the season off with a loss against Cal. I stick to that. But we roll off five straight wins and we win the North.
1: I love it. I love it, Connor. I do, I honestly, unbiased the realist in me. I do.
0: Does that exist? I
1: honestly think that the Cal game to start the season is our toughest game. It's.
0: Cal has had our number. And I think they we'll- have. I think, I think, I think just with it being our first game and that much experience. Going against us. I think it's just it's it's an uphill battle. I I think we can win. I think we can we for sure we for sure can win that game. Just if I'm a betting man, I, I bet that we lose that first game.
1: Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I think I have the utmost respect for Justin Wilcox. I think he's an amazing coach. Again, might I say, another Chris Peterson disciple. I think he's a really, really good coach. Eventually, I think you're going to see him at his alma mater at the University of Oregon as a head coach, which would be scary. I hope that never happens, but Wilcox is a hell of a coach. They've got a lot of their top returning leaders of the team, not only in stats, but inside the locker room, their leaders are back. I think that Cal game is going to be really tough. And again, like who knows, by, t- by the time we you know play the Oregon game, things have of taken taking shape at that point, but I'm not as high on Oregon. I know I'm a Husky fan. I hate Oregon as it is, but if I try really, really, really hard to put an unbiased hat on, they have a lot to prove. They're replacing a lot and they're a talented team, but
0: they have a lot of talent. There. I
1: don't see that game. I think that's our second toughest game. I think we're bookends. We've got our toughest game in week one against Cal And our second toughest test is going to be the final week of the season at Oregon. And that's, I think,
0: I, I think that's exactly why I have the games going the way that they do. I think the two toughest games, having that first game at Cal works against us in the same way that at Oregon at the end of the year ends up in our favor. Because at that point, we've probably. You know, proven ourselves as far as and solidified a style of offense and defense and just style of play that we want to go with for the year. And you know, our our players have solidified themselves as playmakers in in our in their roles. And I think that that could serve us as you know, getting over that hump and beating Oregon for the first time in. a A few years. So
1: I love it. You've made my night by changing your pick from a loss to a win.
0: And I think that that will be the difference maker there because I think Oregon comes into that game undefeated. We come into it four and one. We go five and one. I think Cal ends up four and two. Like they slip up a couple times. Yep. And we end up winning the North.
1: Go to the Pac 12 championship. We can get into that another time. Yeah. It's probably gonna be USC or ASU and then we're going to the Rose Bowl.
0: That'd be sick. I would love it. That's about it all we can hope for in this year. So um yeah, I mean I nonetheless, no matter what, even if they go three and three, two and four, whatever, it's it's gonna be an exciting year just because of what we're putting on the field and the development of these players. And I don't, I'm not going to call this developmental year just because I, I think we have too much talent to call it that, but I do think there's going to be a fair bit of that this year.
1: Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think we'll be able to weather the storm and just to recap, I have us going six and zero. Connor has us going five and one. I think again, you look at the blue chip ratio. We have so many four-star, five-star players on this roster. I think we have a lot to figure out, but the natural talent isn't going to lie on Sunday, on Saturdays and then in the future on Sundays. And I think for that reason, we're going to be really tough to beat week in, week out. So I'm excited for the season. Obviously, as the season unfolds, we'll go more in depth on some of these game previews and and
0: our predictions may change at that point
1: yeah absolutely so i think that pretty much wraps up our prediction episode i know we want to dive into some pro dogs really quick before we give it a final wrap so i know uh we both thought with arizona cardinals having a bye week this week it would be the first pro dog segment that we wouldn't be mentioning Baker, but It would have it the way the season's unfolding that here we are mentioning Buddha Baker once again.
0: Yeah, guess who's your NFC Defensive Player of the Month for October, folks? The one and only Buddha Baker.
1: It's after it. And might I add...
0: He only played three games.
1: He only played three games, and he was still the Defensive Player of the Month. He had a hell of an October.
0: Yeah, he's... Quickly, a rising star in this league, and again, like we said before, proving that he is worth that money of that contract that he signed this off season. And you know, the Cardinals got a good one, and I would kill to have him in a Seahawks uniform right now. So, if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan, good for you. I will always root for Buddha, but I am a Seahawks fan, so. I will root for Buddha in games that are not against the Seahawks.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: And I might preface. I might also add to this that while we like spotlighting these, you know, former players that ha- are exceeding in the NFL, just because we like to see, you know, former UW players do well at the next level, it's also huge for recruiting and Buddha Baker is, like, the sexy name right now on defense in the NFL. Yep. Like, all the kids that are teenagers that are watching the NFL right now want to be Buda Baker. And where did Buda Baker go to school? UW. Like, that makes U-Dub. a huge fucking impact on recruiting. So don't take that lightly that when these players become stars in this league and become role models for a lot of these kids that are going into college and choosing colleges, that goes a long way. And UW, especially with Jimmy Lake at the helm, has become a breeder for the NFL, especially in that defensive backfield. So that's also... huge reason why we go into these pro dogs every week not just because we like to see them do well but because of what it means for the program in the long term
1: yeah i think buddha he was that marquee recruit for chris peterson he paid dividends when he was here both on the field on saturdays and in recruiting future dogs and Mm -hmm. to connor's point i think that's a really good call out and i think he's going to continue to have an impact on University of Washington recruiting for as long as he remains, you know, the top dog and the safety, top dog safety in the league for sure. Yeah. Um, going down the list, we had some serious dog on dog crime on Sunday. <laughs> no doubt. We had Taylor Rapp of the Los Angeles Rams forcing a fumble on Miles Gaskin. and my mind
0: exploded
1: my mind exploded because miles gaskin doesn't fumble i know we've mentioned it on the podcast we literally
0: talked about it i think last episode yeah
1: he had 900 plus carries in his husky career and he fumbled three times Mm -hmm. so you know when taylor rapp his former college teammate caused him to fumble Man, that must have been Taylor Rapp's like shining moment in the NFL. So helmet right (laughs) on
0: the ball, man. Like it was a perfect fundamental tackle. And let it be known that Taylor Rapp probably has caused a few fumbles of Miles Gaskin in practice before. So he probably knows how to hit the guy and make him fumble.
1: So absolutely. And Taylor Rapp actually got another pretty good lick on Gaskin. -hmm. On a reception later on in the game. Mm -hmm. I'm sure the two of them had a a fun conversation at the end of the game. No doubt. But Gaskin for sure got the last laugh as the Dolphins got out of there with a win. I think a couple of other dogs that showed out on Sunday that we haven't mentioned before on the Detroit Lions. Danny Shelton had a handful of tackles, I believe. He had a sack too. Yeah. He had a sack and. Mm. Big play Marvin Hall. A guy who didn't have that big of a husky career has blows arved my out, mind. Carved out quite a nice NFL career. He's been in the league for what, four or five years now?
0: Yeah, if not longer. Yeah. Five at least five, I think, at this point.
1: He had a long seventy-three yard reception from Matthew Stafford. He didn't quite get into the end zone, but He's kind of a hit or miss big play guy. It seems like every 3 weeks he has a big long pass. He's yeah. a speed demon for sure.
0: Yeah. The one thing he had going for him at UW was his speed, but he just never seemed to really, you know, turn that into big playmaking ability a couple times but not like consistently. So, Right. It's good to see him still in the NFL though. It's I mean, credit to him for being able to stick around in the league. It's it's not an easy thing to do
1: yeah i think you've got marcus peters on here as well apparently he doesn't want to be affiliated with the university of washington anymore so i don't want him to sue us on this podcast
0: yeah I. (laughs) i mean we're we're the only college that he played for like i'm sorry but he's just going to forever be associated with like you dub like even if he doesn't want to be and i know he was a sark recruit and he had his differences with peterson but nonetheless he's turned into a hell of an nfl player and yeah a little bit of a head case but he's found a home in, in the, at the ravens and doing pretty well for them and a tough loss to the steelers he had uh, five tackles a uh, pass defense a force fumble and a fumble recovery so pretty good stat line for marcus peters this last sunday um, again, to a in a tough loss to the Steelers, but I I imagine that the the Ravens are going to be in the playoffs again this year and making some noise in the playoffs. So expect to hear his name a lot more the rest of the season.
1: Another week of NFL play and another decently long list of Huskies. With yeah, a little bit quieter.
0: Yeah, a little bit quieter this week. Just with I mean, again, Buddha is I think the shining talent. Yeah. Of the NFL as far as pro dogs go, so with him not playing this week, um, even though he was named NFC Defensive Player of the Month, obviously a little bit lighter on the stat sheet this week as far as pro dogs go. I will admit, I will uh, add though that Gaskin led the Dolphins in both rushing and receiving, even though he wasn't really filling up the stat chart. He has it has been one of their more consistent weapons on offense um, in. And in Tua's first start, you know, Tua leaned on him and they got a big win against the Rams, even yeah. though it was probably mostly the defense that that carried them to that win.
1: And the Seahawks say thank you.
0: Yes, absolutely, no doubt. And to note, I guess Will Disley had a pretty big, you know, third down catch towards the end of the game against the Niners yesterday. So shout out to Will Disley for that 17 yard reception on third and two. And uh, even though Schlereth was whining about him not getting, at, getting down in bounds, it was outside of five minutes with, with in the fourth quarter, so it didn't matter what, whether he went down in bounds or not. The clock was going to roll. So Mark Schlereth, you're a fucking idiot.
1: Heard it here. <laughs>
0: he's, an, he's awful. He's so bad. That, that broadcast crew on Sunday against the Niners was awful. So
1: Wasn't the best.
0: That's the last thing you'll hear of me complaining about that, but not good.
1: Cool. I think that's a wrap.
0: Yeah, that is about it, guys. Again, we have another episode coming to you later this week, previewing that Cal game on Saturday. Thank God it's game week. Oh, my God. We have been waiting for this for so long. Didn't know if it was going to happen in 2020, but so glad that it is. Obviously, I know that all of your thoughts are probably on other things as this episode is released with the big election coming up. Go out and vote, people. And I don't want to get into politics, politics on this podcast, but I will say, as it relates to the Huskies, Jimmy Lake was proud to note that 100% of the Husky football team is registered to vote, and 90% of them had voted as of his press conference on Monday. All right, we are going to wrap, folks. Uh, again, look out for that episode on Friday evening, and uh, we're also going to do again that that Saturday night recording, probably Sunday morning upload of our raw emotions after the game. It'll be a late late upload because it's a late game, so we'll we'll probably actually have that published for you Sunday morning. We'll try to get that to you before the Seahawks ten AM kick this next Sunday. So you have some something to listen to before the Seahawks kick off on Sunday. That that would be the goal. So anything else you want to add, Sam?
1: Until Friday, when you hear from us again, go dogs.
0: Go Dogs.